We'll take time to let you fix your microphone anytime, Norm. <laughs> Those things happen with technology all the time. Whether digital or recording technology, it just happens, doesn't it? We'll take a few minutes here to study God's Word together. And if you have the Bible on your device, or maybe you forgot your paper copy in your car or at home, our ushers have Bibles uh, to offer you. If you slip up your hand, they'll be glad to give you one to follow along with this morning. And uh, so you can keep your hands up high, they'll find you. So after last Sunday morning's um, Ladies' Day or Mother's Day sermon, I got a lot of texts, I got a lot of calls, and it's some really good, healthy conversations, both from you and the pastors in our church. They said, Pastor, we love those four principles. Can you take a little bit more time talking practically what they are and how to do them. So instead of journeying into Ecclesiastes chapter 2 today, which a lot of you may be ready to do, what we're going to do is put up here on the screen those four points again, and we're going to walk through those together. Um, and let me tell you this, this is all scriptures given by inspiration of God, right? The whole Bible God's given to us. Amen. He's inspired it and he's preserved it. Would you agree? Amen. For our learning so this is not, any sermon given here on any Sunday is for everybody that knows the Lord, right? Regardless whether it's a Hallmark holiday or whatever, it's just a holiday uh, and we'll honor uh, that holly, holiday if, if, the Lord, if the Lord mentions it in his word for sure. But for us, anytime we study the Bible, any part of the Bible, it's practical for all of us. So if you are recently coming to grace and you're trying to figure things out as far as what does is, what is church look like now that I know Jesus, how does this function for me, this should help you. If you've been coming for a while and you say, hey, I think I kind of like this place and I think I'd like to get more involved, this will help you. If you've someone that's been here for a long time right, and you've been mentored by someone here in a Bible study relationship and you're still trying to figure out how do I take my next step into serving the Lord here, I really hope this helps you. Right, so this sermon this morning is for everybody. So let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1 in your Bibles. The second letter Paul wrote to Timothy as he was pastoring the church, the city of Ephesus, Let's reread a couple things here, and then we're going to walk through our PowerPoint together uh, this morning, and we can take some practical notes as we head towards the baptisms here in just a little bit. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within which first dwelt in your grandma and then your mom. And I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle or to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our, of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us 
and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works. That's a powerful phrase, isn't it? But according to the purpose of his grace, salvation is a gift of God, not of works, right? It's God's gift to us. We don't have to work for it, religiously or practically. It's in Jesus himself, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death when he died on the cross and brought life, that's his resurrection and immortality, to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard that which I've entrusted to him against that day. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus, Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turn away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. The Lord grant them mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. The Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know very well what services he rendered at the church there at Ephesus. So we talked about developing effective local church servants last week. And that's really a summary of what we did. We gave you four anchors. Four anchors that every child needs to know as they're developed to serve in their local church. But these really are four anchors for any believer to grasp, to understand, to know, and then to do right? And then to do. We talked about developing your spiritual support system, and we found that in the verses that we just read here in verse 5 and the first part of verse 6. We mentioned last week that the home is the epicenter of spiritual development. Timothy found this because his daddy didn't know Jesus, but his grandmother and his mom did. Timothy found this development happening first in his home. Remember we said last week he grew up in a little town called Lystra, And in Acts 14 that we referenced last week, this is where he first heard Paul preach. And apparently it was either before that time or at that time when Timothy's family, or at least part of his family, came to know Jesus as their Savior, and maybe even Timothy. And by the time we look at Acts 16, Timothy's an older teenage boy, and he's had a chance to not only trust Christ, but grow in Christ, and he begins to have his spiritual influence, not only in his own hometown, But the Bible says in Acts 16 in the region around his hometown, his support system began in the home though. Whether you're a single parent, whether there's two parents in the home, regardless of your situation, we've got to know, and that's why I put here a reference in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9. From the time your kids wake up, all during the day and when they lie down. There's got to be an open, the opportunity, or at least the possibility, and then a reality for speaking God's word to them, relating into their lives. There are moments where that's effective, but the Bible teaches us there are our progeny, our kids need to know that they have open access, not just to God, their primary resource of spiritual growth in Jesus Christ, but they have access to their mom or their dad or both. 
for their own spiritual growth any time of the day. Any time of the day. You say, well, I work. Well, have a code. You know, have them text you spiritual 911. Call me on your lunch. Right? Your kids need to know that they have access to you as you walk with God so that you can help them do the same. Okay? Amen. So it starts here. But for Timothy, that's not where it ended. There's natural layers of your focus of, uh, and focus of your support system, not just the home. Can I ask you, what are you currently doing to develop your children spiritually? And remember, I said this isn't just with parents with children. What are you doing to develop each other spiritually as a married couple? Do you pray together? Do you talk about the Bible often together? Do you have a time schedule, at least? Even though it's supposed to be open transparency all day long, do you have a moment that you've carved out of special attention with your spouse? Do you walk together? Do you maybe sit on a park bench and pray as you're walking? Can you pray as you walk? Are you devoting yourselves to God together? If you do that, whether, again, as a single parent, with your children, or together as a married couple, and then with your children, what are you doing? Are you willing to pray about doing something if you're not doing something already? You hear me say all the time, it's never too late to do the right thing. Are you with me? Amen. It's never too late to do the right thing. Some people say, I haven't done this for decades. How in the world can I start now and have God use me? Believe me, God's all-powerful. He'll take any step of obedience and break the bread of that obedience and help you. It's never too late to do the right thing. The devil would want you to think it is. It's never too late to do the right thing. Are you willing to pray about it? Are you willing to implement what God lays on your heart? With technology, there's great opportunity at any age now, isn't there? I mean, Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9 are, is more possible now than ever before. I FaceTime with my kids. We text verses together. I share devotional links and devotional thoughts with my kids over their phones. I make applications with those devotional thoughts when I send them. On occasion, I'll even send two of my son's girlfriends the same Bible verses, and I want to start helping them too. I'm not their parents, Right? But if you're going to marry my kid, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? I got to make sure you go, God, and you're walking with them. I mean, that's pretty important, right? They don't have to do a blooming thing, I say. I'm not their parent. But I want to help them spiritually, right? Is that okay? They haven't told me to stop yet. So we'll continue. One of them's here this morning, so... I suppose she could stand and say, cut it out, Mr. Potter. She hasn't yet, so we'll keep. And she sends me really nice stuff, too, about God's Word, which is, which is awesome. For those of you that have tiny, tiny ones, I think the best time and most special time to spend time around with God and around His Word for little ones is at night. Do you have a family verse, a family song? Daily, find your way to be thankful with your kids. I'm telling you, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, this is the will of God that you be found thankful. We live in a very, very increasingly unthankful world. It's God's will that we be found thankful. 
If you sit down with your kids just for a little time at night, the best time to spend time with God for kids is right before they go to bed. The best time for us as adults to spend time with God is when we first get out of bed. Amen. Right? It's interesting. But as a family, you get to finish the, t- the day with God and you personally get to begin the day with the next day with God. And it's a beautiful thing. Pick a family verse. Our family verse was, boys, what is it? Matthew 6.33. It's on all their Twitter, Twitter bios right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So we sang a little jingle. Kids, would you like to sing it for everybody? Just kidding. <laughs> so, sorry. You guys know that jingle, don't you? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Apparently, a couple of you knew that. <laughs> so that was our family verse. And then we sang it. And they would say, what are you thankful for today? And you know what? Even for little minds growing up, it's tough for them to be thankful because they want to be grumpy sometimes. <laughs> no, I didn't say. No, what are you thankful for? And we could be at that age just thankful even for our pillows. Thankful for a warm bed on a January night in Northeast Ohio, right? Thankful for thousands of things that God gives to us. Train yourselves personally as adults to be known as a thankful individual and your children will follow suit. Are you thankful? Are you thankful? And then we would often pray for those in our lives who maybe know about Jesus because we live in a very religious area. They know a lot about Jesus, but they've never known him personally. Okay? And so we take time to pray for buddies on our t-ball team. And even before that, right? The little midget soccer league where no one ever wins, which is not a fun league to be in because (laughs) playing to a tie is like kissing your sister. It's just really, it's really no fun, right? No sport can be called a sport if it could play to a tie. Unless injuries are involved. I don't want to do that. But you know what I'm saying. Well, we pray for our friends. We pray for our friends who need Jesus, don't we? We love them all. We should be showing them that we love them. There's very practical ways to show them that we love them. By being thankful. By honoring them. And maybe they're a position of authority over us. So we would, we would pray for people in our lives who need to know Jesus. Talk to a friend of mine. I'm just going to say this because there was permission given. I'm not going to give the name. It was a missionary friend of mine. Right? Been on the field for over a couple decades. And in tears, he said, my, my greatest regret, my greatest regret is not giving my children a burden for lost people. Missionary for not giving my children a way to live Jesus and to share Jesus with others and missionaries. But I'm telling you what, there's a lot of pastors like that everywhere. You don't have to be a pastor or a missionary to tell people about Jesus. God's called all of us to do that, right? And so that's what we're talking about here. Your children aren't going to have a burden for people who need Jesus unless you're developing that in them very early. And that starts at these times where we're going to pray. 
We're going to have a verse, have a jingle to it if you want. If you don't, you can still have the verse. You can be thankful. And you can pray for lost people. And by the way, if you're an empty nester, you don't have any children in your home, these are great truths for you too. Because a lot of us, even as adults with no children around, aren't doing this even very much. So think about it, okay? I would ask your children this. We go to church, who models Christ's likeness for you? And ask the question. And they might go, well, pastor so-and-so or his wife. No, who, who in addition to them, get your kids' eyes lifted up to seeing people here at church that they can be thankful for, that they can pray for, and that they can begin to look up to. So they've got God as the primary example. Then they have you. Right? Then they might have an older sibling if they're living for God, right? And then when they come to the family of God, look at this great cloud of witnesses. Look around. Look around. Who here could you model your life after? Who at church is an example to you? Okay? And again, who are we burdened to witness to? And have them give you names. Let's start praying for names and for people. And are you willing to develop open, transparent communication with your children? Okay? As we conclude the natural layers of your support system, it's important for spouses to be connected with more mature members at church. Our goal here is to grow each other in Christ likeness. Isn't that part of our mission? And my, my friends, if you are not going to be setting the example for your progeny and what it means to grow in Christ likeness together, guess what your kids aren't going to do? We become what we tolerate. Would you just write that down? We become what we tolerate. If we're willing to tolerate not being interactively involved with another believer at the local church studying God's word, do you think your children are ever going to do it? Think about that. There are four generations of spiritual support here just in, 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 in this text. I suppose we could add God, fifth. Right? There's Paul, there's Grandma, there's Mom, and there's Timothy. But Timothy can't exist well without either one of those three. Would you agree? None of those people in this story would say, I'm able to go this alone. We need to do this together. So parents set the example for children as they meet regularly to be mentored in God's word. Parents set the example for children as they themselves become mentors for somebody else. Folks, it's right in the text. All we're, not, we're not talking about here a creative idea, right? We're not talking about here a creative idea. This is over and over and over in the Bible. People in the local church help each other, understand the Bible, and they help each other when they're friends who need Jesus. Okay? And parents lead their children into ministry by their own example and allow them to thrive. Okay? By the way, who was Paul's mentor or mentors? Several of them, right? Aquila and Priscilla, go back to the book of Acts. Some would even say in the early days after his coming to Christ, Barnabas. Everybody has someone that they should be following that's more mature than them. 
It's all over the Bible, and then in time developed to lead someone. It takes time. Remember, remember Norm's microphone this morning? All right. There's someone in this old world, he's called the father of darkness, that doesn't like good things to be heard. The God of this world, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, does not like this, not only to be heard, this, this spiritual support system, but when you go to put hands and feet to it, and you attach Bible verses and Bible characters to it, man, he really zeroes in on you and says, ah, 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 you're just fine. You've got your parents, you've got your church attendance, you've got your Bible reading, you're just fine. The Bible goes beyond that. It's right here in the text and many other texts. So he's going to make it hard. The God of this world, not our Father in heaven, but the God of this world, Satan, is going to make it hard on you to pursue this. That's why it's worth doing. Right? Because he knows the spiritual value of it. Developing your giftedness. Right? Let's move forward this morning here as quickly as we can. Right? Passionately pursuing ministry via your gifting. We talked about this. Four key aspects to developing giftedness. Intentionally notice Paul's involvement with identifying, developing, and verifying Timothy's gift. Here's a mentor helping a mentee through this. Should we be doing that? And you know, many of you are. When you sit down to study God's word, right, with the Bible tools that you are, you're going to be leading each other into ministry per each other's personal giftedness. It's right here. Paul told us how he developed Timothy in this way. And we already said, remember who helped Paul with those folks we already mentioned. It's vitally important that our children see us working together to discern and then put to practice the implementation of our gifting. Again, if we do it, we can begin to talk to them about what theirs may be. And it's an ongoing conversation. This is the beginning of discussing how God has gifted your child. And if you're pursuing, developing, and implementing your giftedness, it gets exciting helping your kids know and pursue. There's a lot of how-tos our kids are given in our culture, and many of them are wonderful. There's the how-tos or the fundamentals of how to play their sport, practice or perform, play their instrument. Maybe they love STEM. Maybe they love 4-H. Whatever they're involved with, there are steps and processes to get really fundamentally good at those things, and we should pursue those things. But to pursue those things at the expense of this thing, remember Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his priorities, and then all these things will be added unto you. Are you with me? Amen. To pursue sports at the expense of this is of what value? To to pursue sports with this in mind, what value is that? We're not saying get rid of any of those good things. We're just saying prioritize. Help your children know and understand that this place is the primary place where they sharpen their spiritual metal, so to speak, where they're used of God so they grow each other deeper together in God's word so that we can be brighter light in our community for Christ's sake. Okay. After... The parental example, ask your children to describe the people, again, who are most faithful to them at church. 
help them understand, as we said in our earlier point, who are these examples for them at church? What is their gifting? And then sit down and talk to those people that they admire and ask them how God helped them figure out their gifting. Maybe that's a teacher, a greeter, a musician, an usher, whoever. Maybe someone in the sound booth that your kids admire. Get to know them and find out their journey. Ask your children, after they know Christ, which ministry interests them. You should be asking your children this as soon as they can put subject and verb agreements together. Where would you get excited about serving at, your, at our church? Just one area. Let's find it and let's pursue it. And I'm going to help you do it. And maybe these other people at church would help you too. They're generation next. <laughs> They're up next. Are you preparing your children are you even thinking about that? And if you're not, amidst all the other good things you talk about, let's put this at the top of our priority as we develop the next generation, okay? And maybe we can even help as pastors, and I'd help you try a new ministry, okay? Pray and ask the Lord to use his word and your Bible study partner to help you discern your giftedness. Try shadowing your Bible study partner in the ministry that they're involved with and see how the Lord galvanizes your heart with it. And once you've found an area to minister your gifts, stay faithful. And as the text said, fan the flame of that gift. Often, always remembering this is just one essential area of ministry to God's glory. And then we said, develop your spiritual, personal ministry stability. We said this last week. Ministry stability is the natural fruit of the previous two, developing your support system and faithful imp implementation of your giftedness. And we do so with power. The Lord always enables what he's given. If he's gifted you, he's given you the ability to do it. So if you fear, just remember, his power makes you able to do it. You can do it. God's love chooses to relate within the layers of spiritual support. It chooses to edify the body by identifying and implementing your gift. And it chooses to know and honor God's word while doing so. So God's love here is an objective love because he loved us. We get to love him by choosing to do the right thing. Love is objective choice long before it's emotion. We're just going to do the right thing because God says this is love, that you obey my commandments. That's how he defines love objectively. We know that we love him if we're keeping his commandments. This, utilizing giftedness is one of those things. And then discipline. This is the spiritual ability to follow through with the doing of ministry giftedness. It implies longevity and practical faithfulness. Remember what I said last week? For you as an individual, as an adult, first, and all the way down to our children, this is the hands and feet. This is the physical doing. If you have the gift of helps, it's physically helping. <laughs> if you have the administration, it's being part of administry to help administrate. It's your body being there. You're her person throwing yourself into that ministry. Regardless what it is, it's the taking of your whole self into the doing of your giftedness. Okay. And then developing your ministry effectiveness. This is critical as we close this morning. Last week, we discussed the gospel-centered passion and direction of Paul's life in verses 8 through 12. And when you're layered with spiritual support, remember the flow, involved in ministry according to your giftedness and spiritually stabilized with power, love, and discipline, your life will be a gospel influence. 
Paul's writings throughout the New Testament support this prioritized ministry reality in our lives and healthy Christians. I didn't put here busy Christians. A lot of us know how to be busy, but we're not healthy. We're only busy if we're going to minister our gift. We're healthy if we're able to minister our gift having been helped by a support system in a spiritually stabilized way, if we still have enough left over to be a gospel influence. Are you with me? So the devil would be completely fine with you enjoying a a spiritual support system, knowing your giftedness, knowing your stability, and just living in that realm. He'd be fine. Because the rest of us could just do this with each other, and then we would just all die of old age. The whole point of this whole flow of this text is to get to verses 8 through 12. We're going deeper in the word together so we can be brighter what? Say it with me. Brighter light in the community. Each of you. Gospel influence. God has given each of you an opportunity to see at least one person have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in your lifetime. I'll guarantee it. Else this text wouldn't be here. Okay? Healthy Christians are gospel-driven Christians. We always have a mission to think about, pray about, and pursue. And can I put here who, not what? Draw the circle around your own chair this morning as we wrap up and ask this question. Who today, right now, is your personal mission? Coworker, neighbor, friend, relative, who's your mission? Remember, this is developing ministry effectiveness. This is developing ministry maturity. We fall short of maturity unless we're healthy enough, not busy enough, unless we're healthy enough to answer this question. So who? Could be a spouse. Could be a child. Let's put a face and a name to the who. Right now, with our eyes wide open while we're looking at each other. Who is it? Who are you praying for? Remember going back to bedtime with our kids? Who are you praying for? Who are you trying to reach? Okay? So three actions to remember. These are three verbs we looked at last week. Don't be ashamed. Ministry effectiveness is never something we do in our own strength. We can't go it alone. Keep your confidence while we do ministry together. If we lean on each other, no one's going to fall down. Retain the standard of sound words. The words of this text are inspired and preserved for us. Their content nor order will ever change. They are dependable words. Entrust yourselves to God's process of maturing under ministry effectiveness. And then guard the treasure entrusted to you. We saw those three verbs last week, and we'll summarize it this way. The treasure here refers to the whole of how Timothy was reared and matured as a Christian. His layers of spiritual support the doing of his giftedness, his spiritual stability, and his gospel effectiveness. They're all intrinsically linked. They're all tied together. Okay. So, we'll finish by asking this question. All right. Just take the four-question maturity test today and just say to yourself, Lord, am I mature? Just ask the question, not out loud, to yourself. Am I mature? Do I have a support system? 
If I don't have anyone in my home, do you have someone here at church? You guys know we offer that all the time, right? Do you have it? And that spiritual support system, have you even thought about pursuing what your gift might be and how you're going to serve and encourage the people in the local church with it? I'm speaking to everyone here that knows Jesus right now. It's never too late to do right. Let's find out what it is. You may have more than one, and let's find it out. Let's go together with your support system. Then you're going to understand what power, love, and stability is, discipline. Let those people help you walk into that ministry. and Just do it. And just do it. And then you're going to know what really maturity is. Because then in the doing of those three things, you're going to get a great burden for people in our community who need Jesus. Right? Saw a silly old bumper sticker the other day. You've seen a thousand times. Jesus, don't leave earth without him. The silliest little thing. It's so cliche, it almost gives me heartburn. But it's so true, right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And you're going to hear about that in our testimonies as we go to the baptisms at this time. All right? We're going to send this link with this PowerPoint to the church family. So if you want to rehearse these with your family and then walk through it again and again and again, we're going to let you do that on your own time. And we look forward to the Holy Spirit bringing about more and more individual and collective ministry effectiveness together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you. Thank you so much for the simplicity of your word. I thank you for the heartbeat of your people to to want to have a follow-up to a Mother's Day sermon on how to put the hands and feet to all these things. And give us wisdom as pastors to, to know how to do this more effectively as we move forward, more practically. In Christ's name, amen.